keep going is the family motto for Jeff and Justine Ross. And it's a motto they would need to draw on time and time again after selling their vodka business, 42 Below, and trading their very comfortable suburban life in Hearn Bay for the 65,000 hectare Lake Hawea High Country Sheep Station in the South Island. Their vision for an environmentally sustainable, carbon-positive station didn't always meet with the approval of locals. Justine Ross, with her husband Jeff, calls out some of the harsh judgment they faced, as well as the satisfaction they get for sticking with their motto to keep going with their innovative vision for the farm in the new book, which is called Meet You at the Main Divide. A family's story of life on Lake Hawea Station. And Jeff and Justine Ross join me now. Hi, guys. Hi, Jesse. Kia ora, Jesse. Kia ora, kōrua. Lovely to have you both on. Um, I will begin by saying, Justine, in case anyone is um, under any illusions here, this was not love at first sight, you and the station and the house attached. No, it's a it's a love hate relationship. It's probably ongoing in that regard, Jesse. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, no, absolutely. I think there's a chapter in the book. I think you're referring to which says hard no, um, and that's exactly how I felt after the first visit here. Yeah, and um, and, and you you talk about something that actually people who have been in a marriage, will be familiar with how a hard no gets turned into a soft yes. That was thanks, I think, to a bit of strategy, intentional or otherwise, on the part of your husband. Oh, completely intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I, just, I describe myself um, as, you know, um, really losing the ability to think for myself as he very carefully engineered um, our move south. Um, and I um, took on sort of undertones of the Stepford wife as I, um, <laughs> as it really happened to me rather than me happening to it. <laughs> yeah. What changed your mind? Uh, what changed my mind was the, our very first visit as a family into the back country. I mean, I just, it's so hard to describe that feeling um, that is really rare in today's um, frantic lives. And certainly um, in contrast to the type of lifestyle that we'd lived before moving here, when you head over our saddle past the old homestead and um, up into the back country, you are completely out of um, comms and um, I guess we also knew that there was no one else around because it's six and a half thousand hectares and it's extremely steep the front faces are uh, crazy um, steep but the back country's undulating wheaty beautiful um, land um, you know beautiful stunning part of Tiwai Pranamu and there's a stream there and we sat there as a family and had a, a bit of a picnic and I just couldn't believe it. It was unfathomable and it still is really that we could actually um, own this piece of land. Now, Jeff, in case anyone thinks you are a Parnell advertising guy, uh, I should point <laughs> out that you were raised on a deer farm. How strong was that pull for you to return to the land? Uh, pretty strong, actually. It's I, th I thought I'd suppressed it after being in Parnell and other um, agency worlds, but 
Uh, it was always there, actually. And um, after a couple of trips down here for, you know, for recreation, the, the pool uh, finally got the better of us. Yeah. We were thinking, or G- Jeff would um, cruise the um, real estate papers all the time, looking mainly in the Waikato, actually, and um, south of Auckland where he was raised. But, but kind of the mountains at some point um, took over, I guess, uh, with the help of our boys who, who love their, you know, love their hunting as well. Yeah. Mind you, that's a pretty big move for uh, someone in their teenage years to give it all up in Auckland and what I imagine is a pretty cushy life in Auckland, as cushy as teenage life gets, and, and really to leave your friends and your life behind and, and head south. Yeah, there's no um, there's no getting around the fact it was a really tough first year. Um, I I um, pulled pin quite early and moved to Dunedin um, in the, uh, because it put me within the three hour um, drive of the station. And Jeff sort of stayed in Auckland to um, continue with some of his business objectives there. Mm. And uh, Gabe came down at 14 years old. Um, Finn was already at university in Canterbury, but, um, yeah, really tough on Gabe. Um, he, you know, the first year was hard. I think anyone who's, um, moved, um, at, in those critical years will know or, or has had a child that's moved in those critical years will know just how incredibly difficult it is. And, uh, you know, we always gave him an exit strategy and, and talked to him about just seeing it through and, the resilience that he built up in that year. Culturally, it was such a huge change for him and for me. Yeah. One of the things you talk about in the book, Justine, uh, as a motivator was climate change. And we all know about climate change. And I think the difference is that for, for a lot of people, climate change is depressing or hopeless or there's a sense of dread but for you, it was a motivator and, and I think played a direct part in you deciding to do what you personally could. And that was part of this. Well, this was part of that vision. Absolutely. We were <clears throat> very restless in, um, in Hearn Bay and um, listening. I guess Jeff was part of Pure Advantage, um, a lobby group for the business case for the environment, which does amazing work. And we, I'd been involved with Greenpeace. There were just so many, um, so many factors pointing at us being what having uh, the need to do something significant um, in what we believe is the existential threat that our planet's facing. So it was, um, you, know, I, you know, a lot of people will say that um, vodka, you know, selling booze is, is probably not, um, you know, it's blood money. And I, we tend to agree these days. And I think, you know, the um, being able to leave a legacy that's um, really about what we what we believe in, and to become climate um, advocate advocacy people through um, farming was just a it was a no brainer for our whole family. And our eldest son Finn is a, a climate scientist, and and he talks about exactly what you just talked about, Jesse, about um, that sense of hopelessness um, that we can feel. And the more you know, the more astounding and, and terrifying it can be. But I guess um, if you're able to just get to work and whether that's through regenerative agriculture and um, and carbon um, sequestration. And we always thought that 40 percent of um, New Zealand's land mass is sheep and beef farms. So imagine if we can um, make a, a small contribution um, to that, uh, to the work that goes on in that regard. 
So, Jeff, in some ways you took a different approach to traditional farming practices on the station. Do you recall where you met your first sort of resistance or, or raised eyebrow? Yeah, it was probably um, at a ram sale, the first ram sale I went to, actually, and the subject of climate change came up uh, over over Smoko, and there, there was a, a sense of um, resistance at, at that point, but it's amazing how much that's changed in the last few years. And, in fact, the last ram sale I went to, now, now the conversation is that the climate is definitely changing, and you've got... Uh, seasoned farmers from this region who have seen far, far many more years here than we have uh, talking about what's going on and, and what those changes are meaning. There were practical examples though, right? You decided to fence off a stand of kawhi uh, trees and you got an unusual response. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> look, it, I guess... Um, yeah, the response was, "Hey, does this mean we can't go and sit under those kofi trees?" Um, you know, from it's a beautiful old stand of kofi trees, trees from some in the district. Um, but I think once we put a gate in, um, uh, the, the obvious answer was no. That's a place we can still go and be part of. Um, and also, I think it was grazing as well. And the idea was that you know, if we can create, um, we'll get rid of buddleia bracken and briar from other spots. We can create usable pasture elsewhere, and it doesn't have to be um, in this particular area, which we've now turned into a sanctuary for all sorts of native trees. I, I think like when we first, and this is one of the drivers for coming here, <clears throat> we, a lot of discussion in the media was around farming is a problem in climate change. I guess what we wanted to disprove was, was that actually and show that farming can be part of the climate change solution. And and that's with the prompting of our son who's, who's studying climate change and the fact that we were managed to become the first certified carbon positive farm in Australasia, that, that was the first kind of little proof point for us that actually farming need not be a problem. It potentially can be a solution. And therefore, the exciting thing for farming is it can also earn greater greater earnings for us, which is which is a huge need in farming right now, particularly. What does that mean, carbon positive farm? It basically means, so we, we emit, um, through our, largely our stock and some tractor hours, we emit 2,500 tonnes of greenhouse equivalents, uh, equivalents every year. So that's a big number. But thanks to a lot of that bush you mentioned, a lot of the plantings, we've planted 22,000 trees, um, a lot of the regenerating gullies and, and, and steep faces, which have little farming value, um, because we've protected that, it's sequestering five and a half thousand tons. So we actually sequester a little over twice what we emit, therefore we're climate positive. And once you once you document that and have somebody independent um uh, sign that off for you, which which we have, that is obviously it's it's doing the right thing for the environment, but it's also doing the right thing from a marketing point of view and giving us an advantage and means we're getting premiums from from our clients. And it's the reduction of fossil fuels as well, um, introduction of solar, yeah. introduction of hydro where we can. And a lot of farmers do this um, wonderfully. Um, and so, you know, it's, yeah, fossil fuels is a big one. And because we are regenerative farmers, we do less tractor hours because, um, which, which is just a, a huge saving for us in terms of carbon emissions. 
Are you surprised? I know you both probably have pretty thick skin now, so so you, you won't mind me pointing out that some people refer to you as five minute farmers, or uh, yeah. I'll, I'll admit I got a text use the word Instagram farmers. Yeah. What is your answer I mean, to that? And and are you surprised that you get that sort of criticism? Well, kind of surprised, I guess. But I mean, all those things are true in in many regards. We are we are we've only been here six years, you know. So in the, in, in many contexts, that's a short period of time. But there is often a case for fresh eyes, and you know, if you if you look to other sectors, um, kind of, I'll, I'll use an obvious one like um, air travel. You know, Air New Zealand don't always hire pilots to be, you know, the, the CEO. They often move for expertise and experience from other sectors to to drive that, that business forward. And and I think, you know, farming as in all sectors has got to keep the change reflex. You know, we've got to have fresh eyes. We've got to keep looking to what our customers are doing. And and whilst um, I, I can't claim to um, be an expert with a, with a team of dogs, Jesse, you know, hopefully there's there's some skills from, from what Justin and I have learned. <laughs> Maybe on the market-facing side, that 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 can be useful to farming. I mean, I think the answer to your question, though, also, Jesse, is yes, we are surprised and and kind of disappointed, to be honest, because on the one hand, the sector is like incredibly generous with its information, far more generous than any sector we've ever been involved mm. in. And then on the other hand, there are some um, sort of anti-progressive um, uh, social um, issues and attitudes um, and even behaviours and there's a protectionism in the rural sector that is um, is really um, unsettling, and it has been it has made this um, experience for us extremely um, difficult at times. And you know, I am very truthful about all of that in the book, and um, I felt that really um, promoting a conversation um, around some of those issues might for example, be useful to um, uh, to young farmers who are coming up in, in a family farm who perhaps don't have a voice at the table yet, who absolutely deserve a voice at the table. I mean, I, I advocate for handing over a farm early and wholly to the next generation. Um, succession is something that you hear so much about when you're deep in the sector, and I think that the fix is reasonably easy. But um, some traditional farmers really like to hold on to their IP and they believe they're the only ones who know the solution to their land. And I think letting the next generation in early and, and with great heart, is a, it would be a smart play for the whole sector. I'm talking to Jeff and Justine Ross. Their book is called Meet You at the Main Divide, A Family Story of Life on Lake Hawea Station. Uh, guys, are you glad you did the Country Calendar episode? <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, in a way, it gave us, um, it, you know, our climate advocacy, um, our belief in regenerative ab- um, agriculture and soil. It gave all of the things that um, we believe in, the idea of monetizing um, best practice around the climate. It gave all of that a very hearty hearing. Um, and for that, we're, we're always, we'll always be grateful. I mean, there is a level of notoriety, isn't there, when you blow up the <laughs> longest running television show in New Zealand? <laughs> um, I'm not it sure. Was the, it was the sheep, you know, the sheep sh- shearing with the mattresses at the yeah. bottom of the ramp that I think was, um, got the most attention. Been, right? Yeah. Like a, 
a very small thing was actually um, <laughs> something that seemed to get the most talk. But I mean, we did absolutely. There's some comments on Facebook, like Five Minute Farmers, but. Um, what maybe others didn't see is we, we literally got hundreds and hundreds of letters or phone calls, probably from every farming, large farming company in the country, from politicians, um, yeah. who, who said, keep going. So, so it was, it was, it's coming on both sides. You know, we may not look like farmers, um, and, you know, we may not have the sort of, um, the background of, of many, you know, incredibly successful farmers in New Zealand, but we're farming like farmers. Um, I know this because um, I'm about to, you know, walk out and start hanging out with our shepherd and asking questions that I can't believe a Hermbert housewife's going to be asking about <laughs> all sorts of crazy things that that go on here. And, you know, um, yeah, it, it feels like we're farming every day. And farming is the hardest thing we've ever done. Um, we say that all the time to anyone who'll listen. Um, and we do believe that farmers can monetize um, great climate practices. So we we hope that we can just keep trying stuff with, you know, perhaps a, perhaps a little bit more support. Um, and um, we can, you know, hopefully um, at our own cost and time and energy and um, that we can hopefully, you know, make a difference in some small way because we truly don't believe that farmers do get valued for the work that they do. You've had a few people screw your nose up. Have you noticed yourselves having an impact on people, a positive impact? Have you had other farmers get in touch or, or even not get in touch but start doing similar things to you that you've noticed? Oh, our wee team here are quite, you know, we're getting emails constantly from people who have read the book or that have read any of the press. And it's quite an emotional time for everyone here um, because the um, the support has been extraordinary. And also the people who have identified some of the taboo subjects that I um, address in the book, um, they've, you know, come up to me in the street and Wanaka and said, thank you, that conversation hasn't really happened and it probably needed to. So, um, yeah. Yeah, we've had discussion groups visit or, or catchment groups, as they're often called now. And I was at a meeting on Friday and farmer from uh, Mackenzie Basin, you know, a really well-respected older farmer came up to me and I thought, goodness, what, you know, what's going what's to, what's he going to say? Is he going to raise the mattresses? Um, yeah. But it was reversed. You know, he said, you know, love what you're doing. You know, um, it's really good for our sector. You know, um, we, we've all got to be trying this type of stuff. But you had an interesting conversation with Nadia Lim and her husband from over the hill. Yeah, well, we're both um, reasonably new entrants to farming with different skills, and and um, it, yeah, we we really do. And I I do detail one of those conversations in the book, and it's um, it's really heartening to um, to have some kind of um, empathy from other people who, you know, have had um, similar challenges to us in some ways. Um, and yeah, it's it, they're, they're definitely a great inspiration to us as well. Um, we only wish that we'd done what they've done and, and come earlier when our children were we and, huh. um, and, you know, had the benefit of that. Jeff, carbon positivity, is that... A market advantage. So often we hear um, that New Zealand products are going overseas and sort of um, they're not standing out, that we're not making the most of our clean green image, rightly or wrongly, 
we have that image. What's been your experience? Do you get better direct access to consumers who buy your wool and meat when you do things this way? Yes, basically, is a short version to all of those questions, Jesse. Like when you're in marketing, you spend a lot of time speaking to your customers and finding out what they what they want and then looking at what you can offer and then searching for your competitive and, and ideally your unique competitive advantage. And New Zealand has many, and, and particularly in farming. And I don't think they've been um, articulated or potentially heard well enough. And you, men- you mentioned Instagram earlier on. Um, look, I think there's 50,000 um, farms in New Zealand. You know, if each of those had, let's say, uh, you know, we do, for instance, have thousands of those uh, f- followers for our Instagram uh, from from countries around the world. Let's say New Zealand had, um, you know, 2,000, or each farm had 2,000 um, uh, followers. You know, that's, that's 100 million people worldwide listening to the great work that New Zealand farmers are doing. So, yeah, we've got to get our stories out there. And Instagram and many other channels um, can help. And New Zealand farmers are great storytellers. So, that, that would be something I'd suggest we can do better at. And you've each we got us. You go ahead, just, just answer. Sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say, we've got some incredible clients um, who um, buy our fibre. Um, and my great news is a woman called Nan Bray from White Gum Farms in Tasmania. She's an absolute heroine of mine, and she sells her wool by the gram because of its extraordinary credentials. And I think, um, you know, we have been lucky to just partner with clients who share our values. We're about to become B Corp certified, which is so exciting for Mm. us. And all of our clients are B Corp certified. And we've got these amazing people who, like us, are pushing their sector, um, fashion, um, and doing really great work. And it's just, you know, the way we connect with those those clients is through Instagram. So if that makes us Instagram farmers, mm-hmm. which I've never heard before, by the way, Jesse, no, so it's a good one. We'll take it. Yeah. Does the farm break <laughs> even, guys? Yeah, it's it's profitable at an operational level, and it's uh, it's it's growing in profit actually. And this this year is a really tough year in farming. You know, pretty much every commodity price is down. Uh, milk, meat, and uh, wool is is a little down as well. So luckily, we're in fine wool, and um, we've got relationships in place that we've worked really hard to put in place. That um, that uh, you know, really, as Jesse said, you know, a, a command considerable premiums for us so you know that's why we're complete believers in in some of these climate positive actions that we're taking they love that we play vivaldi to our sheep jesse <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's well i'm gonna play, i'm gonna play your track to finish and it's not vivaldi it's blake okay. shelton jeff it's just for you oh brilliant oh. thank you congratulations Cheers, on the book guys it's amazing called- thank you so much Meet you at the main divide, a family story of life of life on Lake Hawaii Station.